Arabs podcast. All right, welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia and Ellie, and we are the Queer Arabs. And thank you for joining us again. We really appreciate uh, our longtime listeners of a month or however long. Three weeks. Three weeks. And we appreciate you new listeners, whoever whoever has just discovered this. So, yay. Hello from the recent or distant past. Yes. Depending um, on how deep an archive dive you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, okay, just to introduce ourselves, I'm Alia. I'm half Saudi and a lesbian. And I'm Ali. I am Lebanese and trans and bi. Yes, so, um, and we are partners, and we're partners in crime as well. Yes, crimes. Crimes. And uh, today is kind of just a, we're just going to kind of ramble about some stuff, get a little bit personal, taking a break from the more structured, like, hey, let's talk about X country and X country. And we're just going to talk about our some of our personal stuff because we want to like let people get to know us a little bit yeah so this week our coming out stories yes and a little bit of talk on mental health stuff yep because that's kind of a thing that a lot of minorities don't talk about yeah uh someone asked us to speak a little more slowly than we did on the last episode so we're gonna try our best we are doing the thing yes uh, let's open this up with Ellie. How was your week? Busy. Um, as you, I'm very busy at my work. I'm mm-hmm. doing web stuff, making sure the internet is the internet. Good. You're the tech queen. Yes. And uh, for me, everything's okay. Today was a really hard day for me. No particular reason. It was just very emotionally charged and. I'm feeling kind of vulnerable right now, and uh, I've gotten over my crying uncontrollably. It's just a hard day. I'm going to freaking say it. I'm on my period, and I'm not going to be weird or embarrassed about it. So, whatever. Yeah. I'm just frustrated right now. Don't worry, folks. She's been cuddled, cared for, and offered booze. (laughs) Yes. And macaroons. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Macaroons just to spare yeah just oh i'm just like frustrated today by a lot of things i feel very down on myself and like not worthy of anything you're worthy of my love and praise and all the love and praise and likes that will come as a result of this episode probably hi mom hi mom give us a nice review by the way we have different moms that got weird hi to my mom and hi to ellie's mom we're not incestuous. Everything comes back to incest with you. Yes, incest is not the best. All Let's right. talk. Okay, so <laughs> you all might notice that we have some art. Our friend, uh, who will she, remain anonymous yeah, at this moment, she she'd doesn't... rather not be named right now. She's kind of like just not feeling it. Yeah. So crediting. We her. had a wonderful artist friend do yeah. some commissioned work for us, and now we have yeah. website graphics and. We look like we have a budget and professionalism. Yeah, which is kind of a lie, but yay. Yes. Well, I mean, we have a small budget. Yes. Just yeah. our parts of our salaries. 
<laughs> Let's be frank. Well, you can be frank. Okay, I'm Frank. My name is Frank. I love you, Frank. Oh, I love you too. Anyway, uh, so, so yeah. Shall we cut the bullshit and come? Let's play the noun game. Booze, macaroons, and Mario. Technically, that last one's a pronoun. I, a prop noun. Let's just keep it though. For okay. this. What kind of booze are you craving right now? Something with like caffeine in it too. So Irish, Irish coffee. coffee. Yeah, we'll go with that. There's probably like an adult chocolate milk type of thing. Anyway, uh, what Godiva was dark chocolate liqueur and Bailey's Irish cream. Go for it. Oh my god. Lebanese. <laughs> some of us Lebanese people really like our alcohol. Yeah. Um. We can't paint the Lebanese as like the boozy, the boozy relative of the the Middle East family. There are boozy people in all of the Middle Eastern countries, including Saudi Arabia. Definitely in Saudi Arabia. So, what? was my second noun it was macaroons macaroons so did we have enough macaroons today yes mine was one of mine was a uh, rose flavor and the other was cotton candy thanks to you valley um and mario what how much mario have you actually played this week oh way too much and i'm a little embarrassed to give a, a quantity a specific quantity we're just going to say definitely more than one hour. And for the record, folks, that is both Super Mario Odyssey and Mario Maker. Oh my god. Super, like, Mario Odyssey is incredible. And it's hard to not get sucked in and go to bed at midnight when you have to get up for work at 5.30. Give me three nouns. Uh, before we jump to that, uh, like since uh, somebody brought up to the point, or at least it was brought to our attention, that the Assassin's Creed series prominently features the middle... Middle East in various time periods and does a pretty good work on it. So we're thinking once our um, once we get our fiber line installed, we're going to probably do a let's play of it streamed live and probably rebroadcast to YouTube. We will link it and if you catch it live, you can chat with us while we do it. And I have never played Assassin's Creed. I'm not as much of a gamer as Ellie is. This will be all Ellie kind of like well, setting up and up. stuff. But I mean, we I trade. We can trade off. We can tag team. I've never played Assassin's Creed, so neither have I. Oh, really? No, but I've... you're a very good gamer. Like you pick up, you pick up on stuff very quickly when it comes to gaming. And I, on the other hand, well, you know, we're not going to be on camera for this, so no yeah. one's going to know who is in control. That's true. By the way, we're staying somewhat anonymous on this podcast. No last names, nothing, because we don't want to be killed by anyone. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, people be crazy. Yep. Okay, so three nouns for you. <sighs> Sorry, I'm trying to... Bring it back. Take I it down. Take it down a notch. I am in the mood today. Darling, bring it in. Take it back and contain the calamity that is your memories. Okay. So three words. Um, map, uh, blender, and since you got to use a pronoun, I'm gonna say grinder. Oh, grinder is in the app. Okay. All right, where on the map of our planet Earth would you like to go the most next? You know, the lazy part of me wants to say, let's just any Greek island period. Like just, just throw me on a beach. But the more nerdy type is like, Galapagos. Oh, yeah. I want to go there so badly. I want to feed the giant turtle. Yeah, so do I. And pet them, which might not be allowed. 
but we will give them things. But at least look at them. Oh, okay. And Blender, do you like our current Blender? It or is, have you not used it? I've not used it, and it is loud. That it is, is my opinion. Very loud. It's very effective. A grinder is a sandwich. Are you looking it up right now? I'm. I'm is this a southern thing? Because I'm not very southern. Maybe I'm just completely clueless on on sandwiches. Oh, okay. Do you like grinders as sandwiches, and why do you like them? Uh, I love them because they include my three favorite things: meats, peppers, and bread. It does look like a very full sandwich. As for grinder as a proper noun, have you seen any funny grinder mishaps like online posted online? No, mostly just tragic ones. Oh. You know, there's always the tragic dates, and then there's always, oh look, the police in the name country X are now tracking gay people using Grinder. Friendly reminder. Folks. Oh, that's true. Yeah, be be careful out there, people. It's it's very sad that we have to be that careful, just because of who we are attracted to, and we have to think about our safety and our lives. Oh, but you know. And in the news, uh. Turns out Facebook uh, gave a whole bunch of data mining info to the Obama campaign and... The they, Obama campaign? Yeah, they did that in like when Obama was seeking re-election. I uh, did not know that. Basically, Facebook kind of opened up to them and gave them more access to the info because they were in Obama's favor. Mm -hmm. uh, later on, um, a researcher, I believe this is, in, this is basically current events, uh, set up an app to ask people questions and got like permission to like get like 250,000 people's info and track them. However, what happened was he was able to get up to 50 million people's info, including people who had not consented. So that's kind of a thing in the news. For bonus points, it was done by a British co company. And since these are, they were- Cambridge Analytics. Cambridge Analytics. Analytics. And um, well, one of those. Yeah, it's on the news, folks. Anyway, Perfect. so here's um, the two pertinent parts according to that story. First of all, hiring foreign nationals to work in any capacity, including as a volunteer on a political campaign in the U.S., is very, very illegal. Facebook entered a consent decree saying that they would take measures to make sure all data disclosures of its users was voluntary and consented for. So basically, like, hey, find out if you're which Harry Harry Potter character you are. Therefore, you're consenting. Is that what you mean? Yeah, basically, if you give an app permission to do stuff, they have basically full access to your life on Facebook. Right. But here's the here's the scary part. People who didn't sign up for that thing and didn't accept the app were also included because they were friends of a person who was. That's too late. They already if you did it, they already have your information. So. I wanted to know which Harry Potter house I was in. Okay. God, it's Hufflepuff. It changed isn't it? the course of my life to know that. It is Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff best house. God. All right. So we were talking about some mental health stuff and then we were like, you know what? This could be a thing because a lot of people relate. It's not talked about enough and we both deal with stuff. So yeah, so I had some traumatic events happen when I was 10 and 11. I don't feel like talking about them, but I do feel like talking about the aftermath of those things. So at age 12, I started, well, okay, age 12, I started like doing this thing where I pulled out parts 
globs of hair and it lasted probably a few months I didn't even like it got to a point where I didn't even notice I was doing it my mom noticed and we went like I went to therapy for a little bit and um, thankfully it stopped it didn't last very long and when I look back at it I definitely was it was like it wasn't I don't even know what the point of it was I think it was just a manifestation of the anxiety that was happening within me and now my version of it is way less severe by the way that condition is called trichotillomania I learned about it in college and I was like holy crap that's actually a thing for other people and it was we talked about it in our psychology class I have only recently, very recently, been able to even talk about my own experience out loud because I'm not embarrassed anymore because it just was what it was. I'm a human. And um, now, and then starting at about age 13 or even earlier, I started like really picking at my cuticles all the time and my cuticles still are always like kind of ripped up. And I talked to one of my friends this week about it and like for some reason we got on that topic and it turns out she has the same issue and we talked about it in depth and we were like oh my god i get it and another one of our friends suggested to me that i get a worry stone just to have something to hold and to kind of fiddle with and that's been pretty helpful you know if you wanted to take a uniquely middle eastern take on this mm -hmm. there's always worry beads yeah that's a good idea just to like have something to fiddle with like even as i talk about this i realized i was just picking at my around my nails and it's, it's such a bad habit so that's my mental health stuff uh, some anxiety and it sometimes comes out in these ways like including today where i'm kind of going insane I anyway love you. i love you too can you take over for a little bit okay so <laughs> since we're doing mental health um as for me i have had pretty much a depression diagnosis since i was like basically since i came out that's kind of a side story to my coming out story but basically i was dealing with all the bullshit that came with coming out basically unhappy angry shouty parents at the time it was the early to early 90s at the time, 1993, I believe, when I came out to my folks. So it wasn't exactly the most accepting time. And my folks had come to the country in the 70s and worked and lived here. However, since they were Arab immigrants, they really didn't mix in the gay community and they really didn't have any direct contact with the AIDS crisis at during the early 80s or anything else. Their primary concern was getting their citizenship, working, paying for the house, having a career, raising their kid. And because, you know, there was this whole civil war thing in their home country, that was kind of their primary concern on the nightly news. So they didn't exactly have the most enlightened view on gay and lesbian people in 1993, but I don't think most of the country did either. So yeah. I went to therapy, got diagnosis, spent the next couple of years, and my depression pretty much manifested pretty regularly, you know, loss of appetite, loss of, you know, feeling accomplishment or pleasure in anything, sleeping way too much, a bit of drinking, but maybe that was just being a teenager part, but... Mm. Um, if I can ask, you don't have to answer this, when you came out 
to your parents, did you come out as like bi or trans or both? I hit him with both at the same time. I was 12 at the time and I hit him with both the bi and the trans. It did not go over well. But we will get back to that in a, when we do coming out stories. We're still talking depression stuff. Yeah. So while getting treatment for depression and talking about all my wonderful trans feelings with my doctor, I went through um, several medications, some that worked, some that kind of worked, and most of that did not until I finally got my working medication about five or six years ago. So that yeah. was... And before that, it was medications on and off. And when I was off medications, I had my good months and my bad months to bad years. It was definitely worth getting a medication. However, like I said, I went through several. I went through some that made me complete an emotionless zombie. Um, and I went through some that just didn't do anything. Went through some that didn't let me sleep. So it was just a lot of switching out medications. And at some points, I felt I could get off them because I felt I had my stuff managed. I did not. Um, or at least I had it, but not. But it didn't do anything for the feelings that accompanied the depression. Right. You know, so like even now, um, some 20 plus years later, mm -hmm. I'm still on an antidepressant, even though my life is actually, by all the metrics, going pretty well. You know, I've got a really cool long-term girlfriend. I've got Yay. a job I'm actually good at and like to do. I've got a close circle of friends. I've got most of my family on the accepting to loving side again. Yeah. And it took a lot of work. And we've even got a yeah. really cool apartment and a, and a starting to be amazing podcast. Yeah. Still Despite everything being good, like you can still have... Depression. Um, yeah, and I'm still terrified of going off my medication because I, every time I've been off it, things, like emotionally, I've fallen apart. Even though the rest of my life may have been fine. Right. And it's not a reflection of the people around me. It's more like, hey, I need this stuff to properly handle my emotions. Otherwise, I will be a complete mess. Like me tonight. Yes, but imagine that being like. <laughs> Imagine you Imagine it being like pretty much on all the time. Like you were constantly a mess. Oh my god. I don't like I would not wish the way I felt all day today, I would not wish this on pretty much anyone. So yeah. So <sighs> Yeah. At this point it's pretty much I gotta take the medication every day and deal with it. I still go to therapy from time to time, but honestly at this point we've run out of things to talk about. Like nothing I don't have any long-term issues. Things are good. I have a really good job. I have pretty good insurance. And I am going to a place that it both accepts it, accepts my insurance and so forth. So yeah, place of privilege, I recognize. I know therapy is not accessible to everyone. Um, we definitely recognize that. I could probably use therapy and could have been and could still be better about seeking therapy. I've only had, I think, three total therapy sessions in my whole life. I don't know what my hang-up is. I don't see any, there's no stigma to me, like, attached to it in my mind. It's just, I think I'm terrified of opening up some stuff and I have put it off uh, many times I saw a therapist like once a few years, like a few years ago and it, or no, twice. 
and it just didn't stick with me. Like I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I accomplished anything in therapy. I could have maybe given it more time or maybe I just needed a different therapist. Um, I went through a lot of therapists. Uh, I went through yeah. a lot of explicitly bad ones that were pretty much like, hey, we're on your insurance and we are completely worthless to some of them who are not on my insurance who are pretty good, but, yeah. and then finally found one who was amazing and continuing to see them. Yeah, uh, at this point, awesome. it's like once every two months, just mostly to get my medications refilled and that's that. I'll just check in. Yeah, Things it's all good. Things are all good. It's like, haven't had any emotional episodes, haven't, you know, had any suicidal thoughts, I'm good, you know, haven't had any sort of huge life changes that would prompt the sort of emotional stress that could lead me to more issues. Yeah. So it's that it works, you know. Yeah. Not every medication. Like what I keep telling people who have who are starting to get into therapy for whatever reason, it's a process. It takes a while. It's like working out. But without the without the <laughs> runner's high or workout high, yeah. you may go through a lot of shitty doctors. You may go through a you will go through a lot of shitty medication, and the medication takes weeks to sort of gauge effectiveness. So yeah. it's not like you try Paxil for a week and they're like, nope, and then go to Valium and then go to thing like every other week. You know, it's like three months of this, come off of it, deal with the withdrawal because a lot of antidepressants do have some withdrawal. And just keep rotating until you find one that de helps you deal without without a crippling level of side effects. Yeah. That is the very boring and very realistic take on it. My shortcut, which was completely me just deciding, just like either having it be a placebo effect or actually working, was I sometimes will take some St. John's wort to kind of calm myself down if I'm feeling extremely anxious about something or stressed out it's pretty rare that i use it now like maybe once every few months where i'll like take it a few times for a day and i feel better i probably could use it today my thing with the therapist i don't i don't know where to start with uncovering all these issues that i have in my past and like how it affects how i am today etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'm kind of terrified to even open those doors but I'm starting to, even just like this kind of conversation, you know, it's important to talk stuff out sometimes and to not be ashamed. Like I used to be very ashamed of the hair pulling thing. Like I would have never, ever told anyone this, even just like a couple years ago. And for some reason I've kind of made peace with it um, and realized it's important to talk about this stuff. Otherwise, like, if we don't ever talk about this, we'll never know that other people understand or relate. Because it took me from age 12 till age, I don't know, like 19 or 20 to even hear of a condition like that or hear that anyone else does that or has done that. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it is important to speak about these things. Mm. Um, anyway... Uh, as we promised, we have some coming out stories, unless you want to talk any more about like your experience with depression. Um, 
mostly that it is not an evil Western influence corrupting the good and holy and pure Lebanese race. It's like seriously, I've had seen so many relatives like go through the, more or less the same things and refuse to seek treatment, and it's just it's heartbreaking because yeah. you know they could have had relief, they could have had help, but yeah. pride or fear or misunderstanding or whatever the reason. For some are. reason, it's like culturally in the Middle East, it, mental health is just completely buried. You're like, here's a prime example, Alia. No, no, I'm trying not to say sarcastically, like, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Or, you know, let's be more, a little more inclusive. It's like, you need Allah. Let's just uh, hop in the car and drive over to Joel Osteen's mansion. Get some saving happening. Okay, that was the worst southern accent. What? It was fun to listen to. <laughs> Okay, so coming out story. So, be me, be in America in 1991, 1992. We are in the second Bush years. No, wait, no, we're still in the first Bush years. Coming off the Reagan era, first Bush years, AIDS crisis is kind of over, depending on who you ask, or never happened if you ask the government at the time. And, you know, at this point, I am a young boy and i was quickly realizing hey i don't just love girls and want to cuddle up with girls i want to cuddle up with boys too and mm-hmm. you know being an incredibly sheltered 12 year old at this point um i didn't no one really told me otherwise that this was not a thing people did um you know i heard like I was in a public school, so obviously I heard the word queer and gay pat- thrown around, but I never had any context to it. Yeah. Was it more as like an insult? When oh, you definitely. Thrown around? This is, it was Texas, of course it was an insult. Yeah. So, you know, and I have these feelings. I don't have a word for them yet because, again, incredibly sheltered. No one explains stuff to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, lo and behold, this is the era of daytime. The the high point of daytime television, the peak and beginning of the phenomenon that is Jerry Springer, who tended to, while Oprah tended to towards the more wholesome, the more relatable, Jerry just went out all out for shock. You know, his typical show would be, you know, who is the father with with a purportedly pregnant woman or woman with a young baby who had, you know, like five different guys she slept with. Yeah. That could all be the father. And to be to be fair to Jerry, um, at the every end of every episode, he did have his you know Jerry's moment where he just talked, tried to humanize every with him and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the show was somewhat was somewhat too very staged, depending on the episode. We later find out, but you know there was that. And one of these episodes was a trans person, and I was like, whoa, I relatable. You know, and they talked about, I think they talked about being bisexual and liking guys and girls. I was like, there's a word for this? So naturally being a, a now, so now I have the words for this. Now I can go to the library or school library, middle school library, and look up these words. And surprisingly, they were there. And it was 
interesting. I did, I knew it wasn't something I should have talked about, but you know, the more I read about it online, I was very lucky. My parents had internet back in the day. I was able to look up stuff mm-hmm. and hear people's experience. And the more I read, I was like, "Whoa, am I both of these things?" So relatable. And eventually, I was like, "Well." I like both, so that's kind of a thing. But I was like, but to deal with sort of my gender issues, that I was kind of feeling like I don't want to grow up to be, you know, a man, a father, a husband, you know, identify with women. I want to grow up to be this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't relate that well to guys at all. So it was, it was a thing. It was a process, and. Part of the process was, oh, hey, I have to get on hormones and I have to, and I want to eventually have surgery because the longer I put that off, the less good the results were. This was something that was known even back then. It's like if you start hormones like at, you know, the start of puberty, the less, you know, stereotypically trans you're going to look. You know, the old ugly stereotype of the broad-shouldered hairy person in a dress. Um, how old were you when you started, like, thinking about the hormones and, like, the physical stuff like that? Oh, um, probably around 13 is when I really started thinking heavily about that because, you know, hey, I was hitting puberty. Yeah. I was not pleased. What happened? Uh, I wrote my parents a long, long, winding, rambling letter, much like this discussion here, um, about these two things. Hit them with both. It was the middle of summer. I left it for them and they read it and the shouting began. They were not they were not happy, obviously. Kind of expected this. Mm-hmm. But to their credit, they didn't throw me out. You know. Yeah. They somehow interpret all this as that I wanted to be a prostitute. And my dad made a point of constantly asking me if I wanted to be a prostitute, why would you do this? I was like, no. But again, to his credit, um, this was the only image of like trans people he knew at the time. Trans people did not have any presence in the media. Trans people in the United States at the time were very much, you know, on the margins of society and survival sex and prostitution were not uncommon ways to survive back then Mm -hmm. in the dangerous old days of 1993. Yeah. When did you feel like your parents started getting supportive? Uh, probably not till after I started hormones. Like my parents started like getting, were at least not hostile to it once I had started hormones, and they saw that I was not a constantly up unhappy person. I had mm-hmm. stayed in college the entire time, and I didn't seem to be selling my money body for money. When did you start hormones and stuff? I started on my tw- a little before my twenty third birthday. And did you tell your parents right away? Oh, God, no. They, yeah. like, I was paying for therapy on my own. I was mm-hmm. seeing therapists on my own. Took the hormones, you know. I was like, you know what, maybe we'll blow over. Because at this point, you know, a little less than 10 years later, uh, you know, they were very much hoping I had forgotten and put the whole thing behind me. I had not. In fact, um, the first time I came out, they shouted me down eventually to get them to stop yelling at me i just told them you know it's i just basically took it all back tried again a few years later same cycle repeats third time when i was like 
18, same cycle repeats. Then I went to college. I was still living at home because college is expensive and staying at home was cheaper than trying to pay rent and student loans and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So after I took hormones for a couple months and I was feeling fairly comfortable, I told my parents and they're like, when did you start? Why are you doing this? I'm like, because this is exactly what I told you I would be doing. And after they knew, they kind of like were just watching and I think observing and they kind of noticed I was just the same person except for not as constantly angry and upset at everything. Yeah. So they saw it as net positive. They saw that I was still sort of maintaining their acceptable social norms and values. I was still, Mm -hmm. you know, the family oriented Arab type. I didn't tell the rest of a lot of the rest of my family because reasons. Yeah. You know, I had the large extended Lebanese family, so that was kind of a thing. Uh, Some people eventually were either told by my parents, figured it out by themselves, and word got around. Yeah. About the only people who I think didn't know were my grandmother and my grandmother and grandfather on both sides and the older aunts. But they were, at the time, it sort of became relevant to tell them they were pretty much all dying of cancer. And that was the five years I spent in and out of hospitals seeing them. How were you able to kind of hide that from your grandparents? Uh, baggy clothing, uh, tight sports bras, and... Yeah. Yeah, so at some, one point, I was basically in college, out taking my, most of my classes as a woman, you know, dressed as a woman. I, even to this day, I just somewhat general neutrally jeans and t-shirt are sort of my standard attire. And that wasn't the case in the college, and thankfully it was very helpful. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could present as female when I, when it was convenient to do so. However, there were certain places I could not, like um, my Arabic language class, which was a two-year thing, and I had transitioned in the middle of that. So I wasn't going to ask a predominantly Muslim and Arab group to start, a, you know, addressing my a gender change i just it just wasn't worth the effort yeah you know they were nice people they were kind people they were understanding my te- people my teacher actually called me out on it eventually like oh wow i didn't know about this oh uh, yeah she um because the class was late at night uh-huh. like when i say late i mean like it let out at seven or eight yeah um we would walk walk to our to the parking lot together and we'd talk yeah. and usually i was parked the furthest back because i I like day classes. I wasn't a morning person. Yeah. So she would walk me into the car because it was somewhat, the campus was in a somewhat shady area. And she would ask me, and she was like, so what's up with you? She would basically point me out. It's like, I noticed, Is she basically just asked me, are you trans? Are you gay? What What is your deal? Wow. And this is a woman who had graduated as an engineer in Egypt and immigrated to America. And she was like, 50 at this point and she was teaching Arabic in a university uh-huh. so I had no idea how she would take that so I just went went for broke you know yeah because if I lied to her she would either continue to call me out on my bullshit because she's you know Middle Eastern grandmother with a lot of education <laughs> very direct like a lot of Middle Easterners and or I can tell the truth and maybe things would be a bit easier I told her and I was like look I don't feel comfortable doing this with the rest of my class so yeah. she sort of played along you know what how did she react uh pretty positively she was like oh i've been around oh 
So the only rough spot was because I had been going to the same class for with people for about a year, uh-huh. and the closest bathroom to that classroom was like just across the hall. I kind of had to avoid using that because I didn't want to use the guys' restroom because reasons because I hadn't been using it at that point for like a year. Right. And I didn't want to make the women in my classroom uncomfortable, so I pretty much went to the instead of using the bathroom that was very conveniently in front of me, I went up like two flights of stairs. Because I didn't want to screw up my class dynamic. I didn't want to screw up my relationships with them. I did not want to mess with people or freak them out. I just wanted to learn and eventually forget Arabic. I'm really glad your teacher is someone who, you know, like of all the people in the class, the teacher is the person who you were able to talk to about it. Well, because she called me out. I would have never brought it up on my own. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, that, that teacher will always stay with you yeah um, it sounds like yeah uh i was also doing a teaching assistant position at the same school so i kind of had it to come out to my boss too and he was good with it um he asked some very very awkward questions but Might like honestly it's not to be to this is people if you see a trans person and you have not interacted with them before and have no other reason other than to ask them about their trans stuff Leave them the fuck alone. If you're close friends with that, m- close friends with them, you know, maybe ask. But, you know, keep in mind, you're treading on some very personal, both emotional, historical, and medical issues. You know, they may not want to talk. Most people don't want to talk about it. Most people consider this like the thorn in their side of the life, especially if they had just started to transition and when most people just start transitioning, that is when they are the most obviously trans. Mm-hmm. So they're at a they're at a very painful part in their life. Yeah. yeah, like not everyone is going to be having a hard time, but you know, most people just have other concerns. They have to pay their bills. They have to deal with loneliness. They have to deal with their careers and. Being trans is like, at that point, probably an old hat for them. They're tired of it. I'm tired of it. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk about it, but that's sort of, I'm, it's almost a habit at this point. When I was in college with the Gay and Lesbian Club, mm-hmm. um, I was basically a token trans speaker, so I kind of was always the person who was asked to speak and talk about it. So. Yeah. And even I got tired of it. I've that's stopped bad. going to support groups. I've stopped going to clubs and gay and lesbian stuff centered like support centered things so yeah you know no one's asked in a long time which i'm kind of grateful for i'm you're over it (laughs) i'm kind of over it you know and i don't have the emotional energy to sort of sit down and play mentor or counselor to another trans person anymore i can't imagine yeah because when when a person transitions when they start taking hormones or where they come out or they're dealing with a lot of emotional trauma, plus a whole bunch of second puberty stuff. They're basically an adolescent again. They're going to have to figure out how to dress again. They're going to have to figure out how to dress appropriately for their age. And if they had like any thoughts about you know, wearing something that is fun and teenagery and they're like in their 40s, it's not exactly appropriate. But they've also never had the opportunity. So it's kind of yeah. a shitty situation. Um... As for me, going on hormones made me feel tons better. 
to the point where other people noticed I wasn't such a grumpy person anymore. No and this more was grumpy with, cat. I was no longer a grumpy cat. So, Yay. and this was with that. This was with me being variously on and off with antidepressants that didn't work. So, hormones like sort of took at a period where it was sort of between medications. So, mm. and that and it worked out pretty well. I think a lot of it was the emotional relief that I was actually taking control of my situation and doing something for myself. Yeah. And I had hated my body intensely up until that point, and I still kind of do. I think you look amazing, for the record. Yeah, um, thank you, darling. But, you know, like I've heard some people say, like, whenever they, you know, get a tattoo, it's sort of like leaving their mark on their body, taking ownership of it, saying this is me and mine. Yeah. And for me, transitioning was doing that. It was saying, hey. That's really uh, cool. Yeah, so. That's really cool. I've never heard it, heard um, anyone put it that way. That's beautiful. I like that. Yeah, probably also the reason why I've avoided getting a tattoo. Because I, I already. You're like. I'm, you're like, yeah. Also, I'm like such a token good Arab girl at this point. It's like, <laughs> go against my parents? No, never. Well, plus you you have pretty sensitive skin, so I feel like a tattoo might be hard. I don't know. Yeah, later on I find out that people with um, sensitive skin and allergies often get irritated on their tattoos quite often. Yes. So dodge that bullet. Yeah. Certainly wow. did not. Certainly glad I did not get one of the many terrible tattoo ideas I've had over the years. Good that you Clu gave it some good thought. Enough thought to not do it. Good thing I recognize the fact that I'm so spacey and yeah, my tastes change so often that it's it's not a good idea. <laughs> I I change my taste as often as I change my clothes. The only consistent thing is the whole trance thing, which is weird. Like, you think I would give up on that idea, like, sometime between 12 and now 37. 37? No, 38. No, 30, 37. Do 30 you forget seven. how old you are? <laughs> I'm that old. I'm old enough to forget how old I am. <laughs> oh, well, uh, yeah, it took me, I don't even know how long, like, a good 15 years before I got a tattoo, even though I kind of had a thought of what I wanted for about that long hmm. that tattoo god it, i love it but it was painful it was not just the needle it was sitting in the same position for that long and like keeping having to keep my neck at a certain angle and that's what got me started like crying at the end because my neck was hurting so much it was it had nothing to do with the actual anchor i mean the needle so um once i graduated from college my parents really started to come around they were fully accepting didn't mind me and eventually came out to the rest of my family who had pretty much already knew because they weren't idiots and you know to varying degrees of acceptance i have some folks who are like yeah we knew and others are like you know you're going against god and you have disappointed the church what will the elders say? If they can find out, we can shift. 
by the way, credits <laughs> to Sailor J on YouTube. Um, oh, yes. She is amazing. Her YouTube channel is amazing. We will put a link to her stuff. It is hilarious. It is really fun to watch. For those of you who did not get the reference. <laughs> yeah. You will. And it is well worth getting. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Graduate. Graduated. Went to graduate school. Uh, pretty much went to graduate school as female. No more like certain classes or certain people I had to present male to. Didn't really present much of an issue until I got my internship. My internship boss was this highly respected, highly decorated, like did amazing charity volunteer and professional work. Like if I say their name, they might just call me up and say what the hell. So, so I won't. Um, but um, I told them on the first day of my internship, look, it, I am trans if this is going to be an issue for you or anyone in your office. And he's like, no, it's not. And But I do have a few questions. And he asked, you know, why wasn't I a prostitute? I was like, what? Because in his line of work, that was the only kind of trans person he ever encountered. And for reference, this was like 2008. In 2009 so yeah very very left-leaning very understanding very socially woke person for bullshit the if he asked that that's not socially no, no. woke i'm gonna defend him on this because it, it literally was not his sphere of experience his sphere of experience was very limited but who who would who would, uh, with any critical thinking skills, would think that it's okay to ask any human being that? Why aren't you a prostitute? Who asks? Like, people don't ask each other that. Because the only trans people he had encountered at that point were prostitutes. So, yeah. I will disclose what he, part of his profession was. He was a criminal um, defense attorney. So. Yeah. That kind of defined what kind of people he met. Yeah. So, anyway. I got you. However, um, turns out the profession I had chosen had um, very conservative views, and it was a very tough time in that industry to get hired for regular, like for non-trans people, for, you know, very well-qualified people. So I went and did other things, and now I still love what I do. I still... Would, would have liked to be that profession, but... You, you found know. some cool tech stuff. I am now a tech goddess. It's kind of cool. And it's paid off in, I mean, in so many ways, like setting up our podcast. And our website. What would we do without you? Pay somebody real money. Sure. Well, thank you, Ellie. So, Thanks. as to now, I'm cool. just uh, completeness. At this point in my life, mm -hmm. I've been on hormones... 14 years? 14, 15 years. About that point. Yeah. Um, I present as female every day. People say ma'am. I, I generally do not run into people who have a problem with my appearance, even though I am hopelessly paranoid about it sometimes. But We are all our own worst critics. And, you know, I've got my name legally changed. I can't change my gender legally just for a lot of reasons. Texas. Although people should know you can do so on the federal level. Yeah. I think it's 
still that case the way yeah it's still they haven't revoked it yet um yeah. for any trans people who are wondering if you're in the united states and you need a federal a federal identification card if you apply for a passport and provide them with a doctor's letter there's a whole bunch of information on the department of state's website mm -hmm. uh about how to get change your passport and passport card to female it's yeah. a simple passport application you can use it for jobs, you can use it for international travel. They understand because if you're traveling internationally, you may be going someplace where being trans isn't super acceptable. Yeah. So they will supply with good documentation, which is good internationally and at home. Any questions, darling? Uh, I think I... Let's do a fun one. What's... Well, we can talk about dating later. I was going to ask you about dating, but do you want to get to that topic later? Uh, we can do it now. Okay, so so how has been how has dating been like? All right, before so before you met me, I'm gonna skip high school because that was high school. Like, my it was the '90s. It was high school. You could only date straight. So dated women, mm -hmm. and after that, um, in college, before I transitioned, before I took hormones, before I added myself, I did date men as a man, and to be blunt, it was fun. Uh, dates were easy. I was good looking at the time. I'm better looking now. You are amazing looking now. Uh, so getting dates, meeting people wasn't difficult. You know, I had a few relationships that didn't go anywhere. And when I transitioned, that all dried up because gay men, you know, want men who are men. They don't, they don't like boobs. Grand shocker, right? And so after that, dating was turned from like a regular thing I could count on into something a little more sparse. Uh, you're saying, well, why didn't you date bi people? And I was like, well, because bi peoples have the same expectations of gender as anyone else. If you are rocking a penis and some boobs, or you're not looking apart, or you're social, or they are socially awkward by hanging out with somebody who is perhaps quite obviously in the middle of transition, or quite obviously trans at the time, they're not going to do it. I lost friends because I looked trans, even when I was trying to dress male. You know, I lost my best friend because he did not want to be associated with the gay and lesbian scene. I was like, but we are literally just hanging out at your house playing video games, dude. So, <sighs> not to say I didn't have dates, it's just, it was messy. Infuriating. And infuriating, and in Houston, the lesbian dating scene was not the most accepting of trans females. Oh god, yeah. Don't uh, get me started with the fucking lesbian scene. Um, yeah, so I went into this whole dating thing thinking, well, now that I'm an adult and I'm in this tram this GLBT community, you know, it'll be much easier to find an enlightened partner who will accept me as a bullshit. Um, gay people are just as stupid as yep. everyone else. And I'm saying this with all love. 1980 or 1990s gay people you were as stupid as everyone else absolutely i will agree i don't think the l word really helped with that but that's another story well maybe we should do an l word episode yeah where we just critique the shit out of it and talk shit about jenny Schechter. ah i'm all for that that's how we met talking shit about jenny Schechter. that is actually the first conversation we had um do you want to answer my question as far as what is the worst dating experience you've oh. ever had? 
Okay, so this was actually about a couple of years back. I was doing the okay Cupid thing because good of old course cubes. It, yeah. By the way, if you want to sponsor, you know where to reach us, okay Cupid. <laughs> anyway, so pay us. We like money. It would be nice to be able to do this as a career. Yeah. Well, at least like help reimburse us for this equipment. Anyway, um, so I get this um, dating request from like this guy wants to talk to me, and he is a tattoo artist. He has some pretty cool art on his profile. We talk. Mm -hmm. He seems pretty cool, and I was like, you know, and he was like, so do you want to meet up? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'll meet you after work. And I was like. Okay, so far so good. He's artistic. He has a steady job, mm -hmm. and he's willing to meet someplace non-skeezy. So we do, and you know, I meet him, and he looks exactly like he did in his profile, and he was like, unfortunately, he also looked pretty high, and like the first words out of his mouth weren't high. It's like, wow, your boobs are so big. I was like, Jesus. I'm like, this has gotten not, and mentally I'm like, this has gotten off to a wonderful start. This is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Uh, yeah, and so the first thing he does after that is not hello, not hi, I am X. Mm -hmm. Basically grabs my boobs and asks if they are real. You are very gracious to not name him. I've forgotten his name. Oh, I could okay. probably <laughs> dig up better. his... Even you know, better. kind of awesome. If I reactivate my OkCupid, I could probably dig it up, but... Do, do you really want to revisit that? No. Yeah. So, basically grabbed my boobs and asked if they're real. I'm like, you know, I gently pry his hand off, and I'm like, excuse me, I have to go check on something, and I just walk the fuck out. Gosh. Not the first time that somebody's done that together. It was also this one time in a lesbian bar where this really, really cute soft butch um woman came up to me um asked me how i was doing made a small talk said oh so you are you trans and i was like yes yes i am thank you for noticing because that oh and uh, thanks for the pickup line I yeah guess. it's like no but then she was like kept saying to me you know it's cool i i have a lot of trans friends it's i was like okay like, did i ask for your approval no i don't even know you Sort of. We were getting to that part. Sorry, that I... I love you. I got mad on your behalf. Anyway, sorry. So she keeps... So she starts off asking me, it's like, like some very intensely personal stuff. Like about my transition, if I had surgery, you know, what does it look like? And I'm like, uh... I'm like, I wasn't comfortable. Yeah. It's like... And she asked me if I want to go out with her and her girlfriend. I'm like, no. Flat no. And she's like, but no, it's like, it's okay. It's cool. She knows she's cool. She's right there. I was like, I have to go. And she follows me into the parking lot. Crazy stalker chick. No, no, to her credit, I have never seen her again. Good. She sounds oh. crazy. You know, and she's like, well, can I get your number? Can I get your address? Can we hang out? And I was like, no, I'm She asked I'm for your leave. address? Yeah. I was like, no, this is not happening. I'm leaving. Bye. I get in my car and she like is like Jesus. talking to me through the window. It's just like, I'm, like, please let me go. Apparently you weren't clear enough that you didn't want to talk to her by, you know, going out into the parking lot, getting in your car and driving off. Apparently that was attempting to, you know, um, but, you know, just for context, it's not only 
like men who are skeezy as fuck it, women can be skeezy as fuck too oh yeah definitely um let's see what other horrible dating experiences <laughs> dude why'd you look at me i'm not one of your horrible dating experiences I no <laughs> anyway um yeah overall as a bi person um before i started hormones i was definitely very strongly into men sort of into women and was very happy relationship with men. However, after hormones, my shift, my focus actually shifted more to women, especially mm-hmm. for relationships. Men were still fun for, you know, sex, but relationships weren't really happening. And the guys I did meet mm-hmm. were basically embarrassed to see me outside of sex, basically. Mm. So, you're well, lost, guys. Yeah. That is my very long, very personal history and journey. And now you guys know as almost as much as my girlfriend. Yeah, I can't think of... Well, I know a few other things, like... Girlfriend privilege stuff. Girlfriend privilege stuff, like other fun dating stuff. All right, um, so I'll talk about being a a big old lesbian. So when I was about about, uh, 13, I think I started kind of feeling some attraction to girls, but I didn't know that it was that kind of attraction. I just thought, like, I really want to be friends with this specific girl, but I didn't recognize it as any like actual, like attraction. Fast forward to age 16, I started going on some very occasional dates with boys. Alia is such a lesbian. When we were on vacation, (laughs) when we were on vacation um, with a friend of hers in in Puerto Rico, Mm-hmm. Uh, we were walking around, and her friend is straight. I'm by Alia's list for context. Yeah. Um. So this guy, this really buff guy, was like jogging past us in like basically swim trunks, and like he wasn't bad looking. He was very easy on the eyes, and like both me and her like noticed. I was like, oh my god, you see that guy? And Alia is like, who? What? I'm like, you didn't even notice. He was basically transparent to me. I did not rec- I did not register that there was a human being running past us. And then our friend and Ellie were both like, whoa, that was kind of cool to see. And I was like, I, I honestly, and I, I will never know what he looked like because I did not see him. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Repeat two more times, basically, <laughs> in the same vacation, and eventually she believes us. Yeah, and then I realized there is a pattern. But I guess I really am a lesbian. Long so, story short, if you're a guy and you don't do anything, don't have any personal interaction with her that you know qualifies worthy to committing to memory, you're basically a non-existent blob for her. Oh my god, you make me sound like a monster. Okay. Well, technically, the men are the non-existent blobs who are could be classified as monsters. God, I don't. Not a man hater. She's not. It's just. It's just men just fail to exist in her world. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, just in so in high school, I went on a few dates with boys because like that was the thing I was supposed to do. This. One example was this guy asked me to go to a movie. I went with him for the next like couple months. We like went on quote dates, like walking around the mall. He would put his hand around my waist or around my shoulders, or we would hold hands. 
every time I felt so freaking awkward. Like none of it felt right. None of it felt like I, I just kept feeling like I'm about to jump out of my own skin. Why am I doing this? And I kept thinking, oh, I just need to get used to it. Like I, you know, I just need to spend more time with him and you know, I'll, I'll start to like him in that way. And I, I thought I, I did have some affection for these people I went on dates with. Like you were was, friends at least, right? Yeah, like I felt affection and I felt like, okay, that's what this is supposed to feel like, right? And I soon discovered, no. I, like, after a few months of dating that one guy, I just realized, like, I am, nothing's changing. Like, I am still feeling this awkward, like, sense of dread every time I am supposed to see him. And I thought, I can't be that. I, I can't, like, lead someone on like that. And I thought, okay, well, I just haven't met, met the right boy yet. And I never ended up meeting the right boy, quote-unquote. How so, many boys did it take you to convince you you were a lesbian? Not many. <laughs> not many. Uh, Can in, we get it for scientific purposes? Can we get a rough number? No, I, I really don't. I don't know. Like, Again. Honestly, I barely dated in high school. Or Men are non-entities to her. <laughs> I just don't even know. Um, so in college, I... Let's see. College, long story. I'm going to kind of speed this up because... It's not that exciting. So in college, I saw a drag show. In the drag show was a drag king. So this pretty, pretty popular like butch lesbian at our college. And she performed as a drag king that night. And I was just like salivating the whole night. And I couldn't stop thinking about her after that for weeks and weeks. And I was like, oh my God. Ellie's asking. She left, she left quite an impression on you. Ellie, well, I'm getting like flustered because you're telling me to slow down my speaking, and I know that you're right, and it's hard to do so. Anyway. Pretend you're Ira Glass. Uh, that's a hard, hard uh, person to to try to be. Anyway, so um, that year I was 19. The next year I went on a trip with a class at school and let's just say on that trip I discovered I was into girls. Oh no 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 you, you you don't get off that easy. How did you discover that you were into girls? This one girl and I had some experiences on that trip. I'm gonna and, need more details. But I mean boundary respected. Well it's not really hard to kind of come to a conclusion of what I'm talking about. It's not, but the details are what it's important. No, no. I feel weird right now. Like I said, boundary respected. Move on. I love you. And I thought, oh, well, I can't be a lesbian, though. I mean, a few years before that, started really getting to know, like, my Saudi family. And then on my mom's side, they're, you know, they're kind of conservative, too. Well, at least the older generation who was still around at the time. And I just thought, nope, can't be a lesbian. Like, it's just not going to work. You're a good Arab daughter. You don't like women. You know, this was a cool thought, but 
I mean, I'm definitely going to meet a guy. Why does gender matter? Blah, 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 blah. I kept realizing that I was a lesbian throughout college. Okay, age 20 is when I told my mom by email because I, I, I was having... Like, I had a few months where I lost my appetite. I was feeling nauseous all the time. Just, like, feeling... Just f having so many feelings of dread. Like, thinking, I'm so scared to even open this door. And I realized, like, my mom even saw me at one point and was like, you just, like, how are you losing so much weight? And I I didn't know what to tell her. And I just... I, I knew that I had to get this off my chest. And finally... Later that year, when I was still 20, I wrote her this email and I said, you know, I, I'm i realizing I like women. I don't know what to do. I don't know what you're going to say. I'm terrified writing this. And that was the only way I could, I could face her was not facing her. So, you know, writing an email, like cheating way of doing it, but it's the way I was able to do it. Soon after that, she called me on my dorm landline phone back in the day and she was crying and she told me like i love you and can i come pick you up at your dorm and we can talk about this so she came and she picked me up and took me to uh this neighborhood restaurant we sat on the roof the little deck on the roof Aww. drank some milkshakes and I was just, I felt really, it was a very awkward conversation. I'm not going to act like it was this, like, life-changing, like, oh, everything's good now conversation. It was just... She stared into your eyes <laughs> and you knew. Um, so my mom, she and I had, a, it was a very awkward conversation. She essentially was asking me, what did I do? Was it your stepfather? I'm so sorry I put you in, made you be exposed to these not so good men. And I kept telling her, that's not why I'm a lesbian. Don't blame yourself. This is just something about me that I am the way I am. It has nothing to do with like something you did. And I kept having to tell her that. And she was very worried because she said, you know, I'm worried that people are going to treat you badly. And I'm scared for your future experiences with people who are hateful towards gay people. Anyway, after that conversation, it was, I did a 180. I just like, I felt I was able to eat again. Like I had a normal appetite again. I, uh, I don't know. I just felt such a sense of relief. By that point, I was part of the queer student union. So I told all my friends in that it was just, it was a really amazing moment. I even remember the songs I was listening to at the time. Like I was listening to a lot of Jason Mraz. So I, I'm always going to associate him with my coming out, I was listening to a lot of Tattoo, as one does, as a young budding lesbian. It was the 2000s, wasn't it? It was the... Two, that year... Oh, 2005? Yeah, that would be exactly the year of Tattoo. 2005, yeah. yeah. But back to the mom thing, like her worried yeah. about how people are going to treat you. My mom like later expressed mm -hmm. the same sort of doubts. She really? was like, what did I do wrong? You know, how I failed you as a mom, because... And you're like, it has nothing to do with my upbringing. Like, I was not abused. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's, um, just because this is a constant point a lot of Arab people ask, uh -huh. no, we were not abused or assaulted. Well, I, I was as a child by my stepfather, but... It didn't really factor It here. doesn't have to do with me being a lesbian. I don't really want to talk more about that. So many of us 
many people have had experiences like that, but it doesn't doesn't necessarily correlate with, you know, one's sexual orientation or whatever. Sorry, I just felt we needed to address that just because it's... No, I... it's important. It is important because it's, it's a common misconception. Something ha must have happened in the past. Someone's sexual orientation is just a part of who they are. It's like some people like spicy foods. And exactly. Some people do not. And some, some people, people like girls and spicy food. <laughs> um, so, and anyway. This is not a direct reference to anything in our life or anyone on this podcast. Wink. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I was, okay, let's fast forward. I was 23 on the phone with my father. We were having an argument about something. And for some reason, I just thought, this is some good ammo. I'm going to throw out that I like girls as part of the argument. I was mad about whatever we were talking about. I like girls romantically. I like dating girls. I'm not going to get married to a guy. And then he hung up and we didn't talk again for three and a half years. <laughs> and then when we talked again, we never spoke of it again. Not once. And uh, two years, a little over two years ago, he passed away, um, unfortunately. He was pretty young. And it is a regret that I have that I didn't have a better relationship with him or have any more. Try to have an honest conversation about that with him. Or like a sincere, sincere, like from a good place conversation with him about that. Uh, I don't think he would have ever accepted it, unfortunately. But it's still something from my end I wish I had gone about differently. Um, some of my Saudi family does know, and they have been, the, the ones who know have been very supportive, very accepting. One of my relatives met Ellie and was asking about like how we met and was all excited. And so that was really cool. She um, was very kind and she was very, very sweet. And she was. <laughs> She is amazing. She is a little odd, but she was amazing. <laughs> she was a good person. She is quirky. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with her when she met Ellie. Um, the reason the people who know are accepting on my Saudi side is because I am freaking careful about who I tell. So I have told very few. Like, I have a handful. And two of them know because they straight up asked me. Like your Arabic teacher, they straight up asked me. The day after my dad died, there was just a bunch of walls came down, like between me and some relatives. We just, we were in a really emotional state. I was talking to one of them on the phone and that person was just like, I need to ask you something. <laughs> and we were both crying because we were, you know, my dad and... Uh, we were both crying, and during crying, I was like, yes, was I that obvious on Facebook and stuff? The older generation, like parent generation, so my aunts and uncles, none of them have mentioned it. Or, well, one uncle has, and he's pretty chill. But the rest have not, and I don't know if I'll ever talk about it with any of them, because Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, I know I have relatives in the Middle East who will never be told by my folks but yeah we hand, pick I just our don't... battles yeah pick our battles um that and how often am i going to see them the answer yeah. is never uh, let's close this off i'll tell my worst dating experience um really quickly i met this girl through this i met this lady through a, a mutual friend of ours my first red flag was <laughs> when she told me about her ex filing a restraining order against her and i was thinking 
hmm, intriguing. And she, you know, from her side of the story, it she was very compelling, talking about, like, this chick was crazy, she overreacted to blah, blah, blah. But I was still in the back of my mind, like, oh, okay, I'm going to tread on this pretty lightly, like, take kind of take it slow with her. Uh, long story short, after a few dates and stuff with her, she got extremely stalkery, was texting, one day she texted um, over a hundred times in one day, talking about how in love with me she was, we had barely like been seeing each other, and she was, she had gone full stalker mode, she was getting in touch with some of my friends about me, asking where I was, and I had to do a like, what do you call that, no, order of no contact thingy. So that was fun. Legally or just you told her like, I never want to hear from you again. I had to talk to a police. No, not not even judge. It was something with the police. I only had to deal with the police. It didn't get to the level of like court. Restraining orders. I think, I wonder if, I don't know how it works. I think if she would have violated what the cop told her, then it would have gone up another level like to a judge. That's really cool that they listened to him. To their credit. Yeah, I I did have to, unfortunately, go to the police. And it was awkward. It was awkward being like, yeah, I was kind of like dating this chick, not knowing if the cop would be all weird about it. But the cop was very kind. Thank you, very kind police officer. For upper not, Midwest. Yeah. Thank you, for Upper Midwest <laughs> police officer, who is very kind and non-judgmental to my now girlfriend. Yay. As you can all hear, we've gone, we've both gone through our fair share of stuff, been dealt different cards, and we have finally found each other, and I just, I feel so good with Ellie and so happy with Ellie. I feel like everything we went through was worth it. It was. Yeah. We've now been together more than a year and a half, and it's awesome. This is easily the best and healthiest relationship I've ever had, so that's... Oh, by far for me, too. You know, by far. No test of love, no emotional manipulation. Nope. I've never felt Unless like Unless you I... count macarons as emotional manipulation. <laughs> That's the most delicious form of emotional manipulation. No, but I've never felt like I had to walk on eggshells around you. or I've always just felt like I can just be me. And it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. And you get the Arab stuff. Like, it's kind of a bonus. Okay, for those of you who do not know, or who are, like, of the non-Arab persuasion, there's a lot of baggage being Arab comes with. Yeah. You're not, like, social... You're not... Most of us are not at least readily socialized for sort of interacting with our white Western friends. We have a strong emphasis on family circles, Extended family, meeting them like literally like every weekend as our primary social group. Yeah. It's a little intense. So for me, it's like I actually had to learn later in life how to to have casual acquaintances and friends. So. Yeah. Not that much later, but you know. I get you. Yeah, it's just been like I wasn't expecting to meet a fellow Arab in like a fellow Arab who I would be dating like it, it's just such a cool bonus that i i never knew how awesome it would be just to have someone who like relates to that that cultural shared stuff. cultural baggage yeah yeah and like i didn't grow up with my dad or like my saudi side but i still have had a quite a bit of exposure to them a lot of close relationships with them and stuff and so ellie gets it 
Yeah. Well, he gets the cultural stuff. And, and my uh, family breathed a deep sigh of relief as I was not going to hook up with a white person. <laughs> yes. I'm approved. Except I don't think they were stoked when you were like, by the way, she's Saudi. Because that's kind of like not the favorite of the Middle Eastern. For those of you who do not know, Saudis are generally not the most well-liked of the Middle Eastern nationalities among the Middle Easterners. Yeah, and uh, on future episodes, you will hear why. Yeah. Um, spoiler. Spoilers. Uh, for, for those of you who want to skip ahead, read the internet. No, just wait for our podcast, because we are worth waiting for. No, yeah. actually, do read the news, too. Please. Yeah, please be aware of, please. like... Basically, the Saudi Saudi Arabia is trying to play the Middle East like America has tried to play the world. Saudi Arabia and the UAE are basically like the the mean those unliked popular the mean girls. They're girls. mean girls. Yeah, yeah, like the two mean girls at school who no one likes, but like they think they're all popular. It's mostly Saudi, the Saudi Arabia, but Saudi the UAE, Arabia is Saudi yeah. Arabia and the Emirates are the mean girls of the Middle East. Yeah. I'm sure Saudi Arabia would love the idea of being nationally referred to as a woman. A mean girl. Maybe. Alright, I feel like we have talked ourselves out of talking. Yeah. Um... Thank you all for listening. This was, this was a long episode, but I, I, I feel good about it. I'm sorry I started out so wound up. Hey. But... It's the proper form for it. Yeah. Um, this was also pretty cathartic for me because it let me sort of revisit and think through a lot of my previous thoughts. And yeah. Self-reflection is good. It's yeah. nice to talk about it. I, I And say weird things to my girlfriend about it. <laughs> yeah, it was... I, I forget how nice it is to talk through some of this stuff once in a while. By the way, it's kind of like therapy. It is kind of like therapy. Oh my god, did I just have a therapy session? In a way? That'll be $120. On that note, thank you all for listening. This has gone quite long. Uh, please email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com if you have any comments, feedback, anything. Uh, check out our awesome website, queerarabs.com. And Facebook, Twitter. We're on the same name. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes. Um, and you can leave comments on any of those platforms. We like comments. We like feedback. Tell us to talk slower. Tell us to talk faster. Tell us to talk with funny accents. Tell us yes. whatever you want. Tell us if this episode, for example, was way too freaking long. And we'll try to cut it back to like an hour from now on. There's only one part I want to edit out. That like me hitting the, bumping the table. So you guys will hear us talking about editing out me bumping the table and you won't get to hear the bump. So well, we can add at the end. We're good. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Outro music. Outro. If you listened to the whole outro song, um, you get a bonus. You get all of the things that we edited out. Without context, because I think that makes it more fun. Enjoy. Stupid asshole who... Whatever. All right.
So, um, I'll give my brief coming out as a, whoops, sorry. Let's I start just, over because that's okay. going to be a lot of bang. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that went places I would I back to incest. I don't really know. Yeah, um, we're going to just move on with that. Edit this out. <laughs>